Good morning. Welcome to Keep the Promise. We're glad you're with us today. It's no accident that you've tuned in. We like to think sometimes that things just happen, but there are divine appointments throughout our day, and I believe this is one for you. If you're watching us online right now, we are glad you're here. Just know that Jesus loves you. That's, that's kind of the point of all of this. So um, I wanted to share with you today uh, just something about uh, are you listening? And uh, I wanted to share a little bit of my life this last week because I think you might find it interesting or maybe relate, but let's just be clear on the scripture for this week. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear because the measure you use, it will be measured to you and still more will be added to you. In other words, as you use it, it's replenished. You know, I was thinking this morning as I was putting that really expensive Starbucks creamer in my coffee, that if that were replenished at the rate at which I use it, that would be awesome. <laughs> Right? So, uh, but we're talking about something far deeper than that today. So, I, this is kind of life. And when I saw this picture, I thought, boy, do I relate. Because everything throughout your day and throughout your life has a time and a place and a need, and it's, and it's all clamoring for your attention. And I love the ones with, without any, any hands on them, because that's the stuff that happens that you hadn't planned on, or those people that'll, that, like, like a cable company that'll say between nine and six. <laughs> right? So you're not exactly sure where that impact's going to be, but, but there for me this last week, somewhere around 5.30 is the get up. And then, then there's the, the bus, and then there's a necklace, and then there's work, and then there's a gambit of other appointments that just are clamoring for your attention. But one appointment this week, I had to go all the way to Richmond to meet with somebody, and, and I, they had already warned me there's road work, you better be careful, lots of one-lane issues. And, and of course, my GPS, I, I typed in the address, said, you know, instead of the estimated hour and 15 minutes, it said two hours and 34 minutes, and a little red line. You know what I'm talking about. It'll show you. And then when you click alternate route, it says tomorrow. You know, so you're just like, okay, I need to, I need to go ahead and, and plan my day. So I'm rushing around trying to get out of the house, right? So I can't find what I'm looking for. I have all my stuff. I had it by the door. Things are missing. I don't know where they are, but it's a lot of equipment I need to take. So I'm, you ever get in that frenzied mode of, of movement? You got to get her done, right? So as I'm hitting the door, God is my witness. As I put my hand on the handle of the door to go out, finally got it all together. Bags, all night. We're ready to go. This is a conversation that took place on the door handle. I heard God in my heart say, stop. I said, but I'm late. <laughs> All right, I genuinely, I said this out loud. He was talking to me in my heart, but out loud. Lord, I'm late. <laughs> All right, I'm having a, he is my Lord and personal Savior. I need to just shut up and listen when he speaks to me, but I'm just being honest and transparent with you. I said, but I'm late. He said, stop and pray. And I replied, but I already did. This is a genuinely honest conversation as I have all this stuff Door handle, you ever go to the grocery store and you try to get everything out of the trunk with two hands, yes. right? Yes. You know, all the bags, must. it doesn't matter if you shopped for like Thanksgiving and it's ten times your normal amount, it will all go in in one trip, right? Well, that, that's where I was in that moment. It's all going in one trip, it's getting in the car, I'm late, I gotta go. God says, wait. Begrudgingly, I said, okay. I put everything down at the door. And I went to sit in my normal spot. Does anybody have your normal spot that you sit in? And then God said, no, sit 
in the orange chair. I have crazy furniture in my house, but one of which is an orange chair that, that's Nicholas's. I never sit in it. It's his chair. And so the Lord said, sit in the orange chair. I was like, for real right now. <laughs> All right, so me and God are having, I have a very personal, close relationship with Jesus. I love him very much. He knows my weaknesses. Patience in the midst of a crisis of schedule is not one of them. So he's helping me here, right? Sit in the orange chair, Angela. So I go and I flump down in the orange chair. As I flop into the orange chair, I hear this noise. And it's like a jingle sound. I look, and in the cushion between the seat and the arm are my car keys. Okay. I never sit in that chair, but I placed all those bags in it when I went to get one more thing. The bag fell over, dropped the keys in between the seat. As I sat down and I heard the jingle and I pulled them out, I heard in my spirit, you can go now. God cares about your every need. And often he is willing to speak to the need that you don't even know you have. But had I said, I don't have time and put my hand on that door handle and got into the car, which, by the way, has one of those fobs so that when you get near the car, it'll open the door, which meant I would have unpacked every bag there in the front yard looking for that device. Because you can just get in close proximity and it'll open the door, right? So, Aki, and you see me in the front yard running late every bag. I'm swiping it next to the car trying to get it to open the door. But the key would have been missing. And had I set out on my own to find the solution of my lost key, which my spare, by the way, the battery's dead, I would have never found it in the orange chair. Probably about 20 minutes later after having a conniption fit, going, Jesus, help me. He may have redirected me to the orange chair, but he was trying to help me not have that crisis moment. But what it required was me not to be too busy doing what I'm doing, getting things done, to accept the blessing of a found car key. Any of you ever had these moments? So what I want to talk to you today about is about it really occurred to me as I was driving down the road, I felt quite humbled on my two and a half hour drive to Richmond, that as much as we want to hear God's voice, it's amazing how unavailable we can be to that still small voice, for that assistance and direction that we ask for in prayer, that no more than two hours before I'd said, Lord, I need to, every day, it's almost like a, a thing I say every day, which is I need to be able to hear your voice and follow what you say. Help me to hear you and follow. Because it's hard. Life gets busy. The clocks are ticking. People want stuff. Phones are ringing. Demands are ever present in all directions. Everything is louder than God's voice. It's on purpose that we listen. The, click, the ticking of my digital watch, which is an oxymoron, it does not tick, was louder at that door than his voice was in my heart. But he was trying to help me. I was so aware of how late I was. And then we panic and we complain when big stuff happens and we can't hear him. Why do you think as part of the scripture says, be faithful in the small stuff? The small stuff does two things. 
One, it allows God to begin to develop that relationship with you where he speaks, you hear, you act, he speaks, you hear. We get a little thing going, right? And then he's hearing what you're asking for. He's got you. He speaks, you act. There's, there's a, a relationship, and it may be something simple like a car key. But then when, like I've told this story before, when me and a fiberglass Pontiac Fiero are about to pull out on 134, and God says, stop in my heart, stop. And I do, and a dump truck runs the red light. That is a life-saving singular, life singular word. But it comes, I knew his voice. I could hear him speak. I recognized the intensity at which he was telling me. But the devil loves to pretend, give you little voices of panic. Oh, you better be careful with that. Better be, that little murmur. If it does not give you peace, comfort, guidance, direction, it is not God speaking. But how you know that for certain is that personal relationship with him, that every day you be quiet long enough to hear him speak. It's not a lightning bolt. It's not an earthquake. It's a still, small, sometimes for me it's just a simple, Angela, it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. It's okay. I'm here. Sometimes that's all you need to hear. The rest is, as the, the new phrase that seems to be all over the place now, a nothing burger. Right? But listening is a learned skill, and you have to practice. You have to practice listening. You have to learn to shut your mouth. I don't know about you, but I can sit down to pray. And it can be early in the morning, and I'm tired. Nicholas has gotten on the bus. We've already been through the, the drama of the shoes and the socks and the hair. And, the, and, the, and you know, our bus driver, man, at, I'm going tell you right now, at 641, those yellow bus is in front of my house. And at 641.01, if we're not out there, gone. So she is on a mission. So we have to be on a, on a I, I loved working with the military because they'd always, there was a bunch of uh, Navy SEALs, and they'd always say, move with a purpose. And I adopted that, and I brought it home, so I have to tell Nicholas, move with a purpose. He's like, Mom, please let it go. But I love the fact that, that every movement was a purpose. It wasn't a distraction. It wasn't a, a sidetrack. It was a, we got, we've got something to accomplish. That's the way listening happens. But when you sit down to pray, have you ever noticed that all of a sudden you're praying, and then you look at the clock, and it's like one minute beyond when you started. But somehow in your heart, it's been like five, six. It's been ten. Surely I'm late by now. Why is that? I don't know, but I talk a lot when I pray, but I'm trying to learn to hush up a little bit because God is acutely aware of every need you have, even the ones you've never spoken. What he wants is a relationship. I have friends in my life that if all I did is do the talking, and no, you can't comment, if all I did is do the talking, um, there's no relationship. That's commentary. So God wants to talk to you as well as hear from you. So listen Listening and follow equals trust and provision. They all go together. Again, and he said to them, pay attention to what you hear, because the measure in which you use what I'm telling you to do, it'll be returned to you, and then I'm going to add some to it. So, Angela, you listen to me about the car keys? I got your back. Wait, I'm going to help you out. Because you're listening to me on the little stuff, I'm going to speak some nuggets into your life because I know you're listening. 
Have you ever, with your own children, have you said, are you listening to me? Look me in the eye. I mean, we all do this stuff. Look, right, right, right here. Right? Because we don't want to tell them something important that they miss because they're blowing us off. So sometimes we don't tell them things until we know they're listening. Because what's the point? They did a study on, on kindergarten kids and, and the teachers, and they were trying to figure out when they were running down the hall, they weren't listening to the teachers, and the teachers were frustrated. So they brought in all these psychologists to figure out what in the world's going on with communication in children. And what they found was too many words. The teachers would say, stop, don't run. And the kids, in their limited ability to hear what you're saying, having already tuned you out, the last thing they hear is run. So they're still doing it. So the psychologists in their infinite wisdom said, hey, less is more, just say stop. Because they're not hearing you beyond. Or what they are hearing is what they want to hear. Wow, that's a, that's a message in and of itself when you're praying and talking to God is hearing what you want to hear versus what you need to hear. Because sometimes what God is telling you is contrary to that natural nature of things that says, I want to worry about it. But God, I had somebody in Las Vegas tell me, I feel better when I'm worrying. I feel like I'm doing something. I'm like, holy moly, you need more to do. But I said, but it makes me feel like I'm, I'm involved in it. If I'm worrying about it, if I'm stewing over it, if I'm losing sleep over it, I am involved in the process of the solution. No, you're in the way. You're fretting. You're freaking out. You're coming in, you know, looking like a raccoon because you couldn't sleep last night because you're worried about something. Let God lift that. So maybe when you pray, you hear God say, I got it. But you're like, no, Lord, I need to have my hands on it too. So now we're into that whole receiving component. But truly God has listened, and he has attended to the voice of my prayer. Do you believe that? Do you believe that when you pray, God hears you? Because he does. You, your voice, specifically. And he hears what you don't say. That's why when I talk to unbelievers or people that are new believers, they're uncomfortable with prayer because they believe that the minute they say, Dear Lord, they have opened a channel that allows him to see into their hearts, to know what's in their minds, and all of a sudden they try to almost manipulate that conversation by saying what they think God wants to hear. Oh, dear Lord, Heavenly Father, and about up. No, 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 no. That's okay. If that's the way you pray, that's your mojo, that's great. My point is he wants to have a personal relationship with you. He cares about you. He created you. He knows the number of hairs on your head, so certainly he knows the desires of your heart and the trappings of your soul. So transparency with God really is liberating. Because if you come to him pretending that you can be somebody you're not, he already sees that as the issue. So let it go. So, we've agreed that we have to pray, right? Relationship with God requires prayer. That we have to read God's word because as you read God's word, it helps you to know the heart of God, helps you to communicate, and helps you to know his promises, and he always keeps his promises. So all of a sudden you kind of get built up. So as you're praying and, and you're reading the word of God, you're learning to listen. You're going to and listen and try to hear what he's saying, not just what you want to hear, which is a whole maturity process in itself. So we got it, right? We can just sign off. We'd be done. We're, here's where we are, right?
All right, we're good. (laughs) So everything's good. We all know what to do. Piece of cake. Nope. We struggle with that every day. Every day. That simple criteria for relationship with God, we struggle to prioritize. We have to figure out how to listen on purpose. I don't know when that listening, well, it may be at the door handle, it may be on the knees, on your knees in your living room as you're praying, it may be uh, when you're getting dressed, it might be sitting in the car in traffic, it might be in the middle of Walmart on a long line on the night before Christmas. I don't know when that voice is coming, I do know there will be distractions in the middle of it, but I need you to figure out how to tune your ear to hear. Spend some time with him so you recognize his voice. My mom can call me on the phone and she doesn't have to say, Hello, Angela, this is your mother. (laughs) I know her voice. I have a relationship with her. Rosie, you can call me. I know your voice. I don't understand it, but I know your voice. (laughs) Just joking. But there's a recognition there through relationship where I know in my heart who that is. But you have to figure out how to tune in. God, is that you? Whatever it is you need to do to be able to feel that comfort of that still small voice and whisper of God. I felt it when I stepped out at the funeral for my dad when I was upset and the car pulled in the port and I was getting out and on my mind was, how am I ever going to do this? And as my foot exited the car and hit the ground, I heard God say, you're not alone, I'm right here. From that moment, I wasn't upset anymore. I I was, don't get me wrong, but I had the capacity through the grace of God to do what I needed to do. That's available to you every day. That's not a special occasion. That's not a special moment. That's not a Christmas Eve kind of thing. You don't have to schedule it. I told you I've met with people from the Satanist church before and they talk about scheduling appointments with the devil. Really? Because God is omnipresent. The devil is not. You don't need to schedule an appointment. Any place, anytime, even right now. God, speak to me. Let me hear your voice. He will speak to you. No place is inconvenient for him or outside of his reach. So, while you're trying to tune in, the key is there are distractions. I don't know what's going on here. It's a red skin cheering, so I really am confused. But nonetheless, <laughs> there, there, there we are, you know, and I'm a fan, but I get it, right? But, and I see this guy. He's like, oh my God. So I'm really, and no one else in the room is cheering, but he's freaking this kid out. But my point is, in the middle of all those distractions of life, people screaming and hollering and wanting things, all those clocks ticking and needs wanting it, in the middle of all of the chaos, is still God going, I got you, I love you, I care about you. And that can be so loud in your spirit that it's invigorating in the middle of chaos. When you're, yeah, I remember I, I went into a, I was in Clemson, I was doing a football game for Clemson, which is one of the loudest stadiums I have ever been in. And uh, uh, Dave and I had talked about that at some point about Clemson, they always said, oh yeah, it's loud. But I had no idea, Lord have mercy, those people are passionate. Well, as I'm going, uh, I was outside doing something and I saw a lot of ruckus over here and my attention was drawn to it and I go in there and in the middle of all this chaos, there was a lady laying down, she had 
passed out. Something was going on. They were waiting for So I felt like the Lord said in the middle of, <laughs> go over there and pray for that lady. Okay? So that, those voices that you can hear, that voice inside your heart where God just kind of goes, and you know what I'm talking about. You know, when you, I tell you all the time, you'll know it if you're new to it. If you're in the line at Walmart and something says, get two of those. Oh, Lord, I only need one. Get two. Okay. All right. So you get two and you're rolling your eyes going, why did I get two of those? Five minutes later, you're walking in the parking lot. You see the lady drop her dozen eggs and it goes in a million pieces. Told you to get two. It's that somehow there's a purpose for every, God makes sure there's a purpose for everything. And if you listen, the real cool part on the back side of that is the blessing that you get when you hand her the dozen eggs and you're like, I was listening. I mean, there's just like this joy that comes from that. But anyway, you've got to be able to hear God despite the distractions, despite everybody yelling to the contrary, look over there! If God's saying this way, then you can knock over here. You ever seen this thing before? In production, especially on in, in the sidelines of a game, that thing right there is a sound amplifier. It helps to focus in on the sound. Do you ever wonder how you can hear like, hoo, 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 one, two, hoo, hoo, in the middle of all that? Well, that's this guy focusing his listening right at the center or at the quarterback. You ever notice you can hear the helmets hit in the middle of a stadium with 100,000 people? That's this guy. He's and, then, and you go, whoa, man, that sounded bad from here. Well, that's this guy pumping up the volume so you can hear it. He's running around in the middle of all this distraction after the action so he can focus on what he needs to hear. That's got to be us. It's got to be who we are. That we have a connection to God. We have the ability to hear. He said all of us can hear his voice. My sheep hear my voice. They recognize my voice. So now we have in the middle of all of the other nonsense that's going on in life, have the capacity to focus. Y'all are still looking at me like, Man. so are you listening? Are you paying attention to what you do here? Because there's many of you here today and online who hear God's voice. You hear him nudging you in one direction or the other. Another translation of that same scripture. Pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given. And you will receive even more. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. So those people who say, I don't understand what the Bible's trying to tell me, I don't get it, spend time with Jesus, spend time with praying, spend some time just saying, God, I want to hear you. And all of a sudden, as you read, I'll never forget, I used to, you know, Buddy and I, you know, when I became a chaplain, I got the little certificate that told me I could marry him and bury him, right? And all of a sudden, I'm getting the calls to do families. It's amazing, the people that, when they pass, that have no one to do their funeral. And as I was looking at the 23rd Psalm, which is kind of the go-to, so, you know, in the, in, the, in the basics of preparation for funerals for people you do not know, that's, that's one of those kind of standby scriptures. And I remember I was praying and I was asking God, give me some guidance, give me some wisdom, help me to know how to talk. Buddy and I would talk about, you know, how you have to go talk to people you don't know and you're asking them some very deep questions. And then all of a sudden, the scripture, the 23rd Psalm, as I read it again, though I walk through 
the valley and shadow of death. That word through leapt off the page and became bold capital letters. Because when you know Jesus as Lord and personal Savior, it's a journey through. It's a journey to that place of residence with your Lord and personal Savior. Through. God will speak to you as you read and, and you go back to scriptures that you've read a hundred times. As you're sensitive to hear his voice and not just your own, he will speak to you and help you understand how they apply to you. I have passages underlined from high school or college that now I go back and read them and they mean something completely different. Because life changes. You mature, you grow up a little bit, or maybe you just experience things. And it changes your appreciation and understanding for the grace of God and his ability to be right in season every time. So do you have time to listen and believe? All right, so what if we actually took responsibility for our lives and prioritized our relationship with him? Yikes. All right, I'm not trying to be a pinch point, but I meet a lot of people all the time who, well, I need to pray, but I've got to go to church and make an appointment so the pastor will pray with me. Mm -mm. No, personal relationship with Jesus. Personal relationship. That's you and him together, eternity. Then God, who is always faithful to his promises, could do more things with us and for us than we could ever imagine. And that brings me to my favorite scripture, which is, Call on me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things you know not. Why is that my favorite? <clears throat> it requires me to do something. Call on him. I can do that. And then there's a guarantee. He doesn't say maybe, if I feel like it, if it's a good day. He said, I will answer you. And not only will I answer you, I'm going to exceed your expectations. Because I am bigger than you could possibly think. I'm all for that. So what if we actually dared to live our lives larger than anyone expects of us? All those people who have told you, you can only do this, you can only be that, you can only go here, you can only go there, you'll never do that, you don't have this. What if, instead of worrying about what they think or expect of us, we actually press into what God wants for us, which is far more than we could ask or think, and certainly far more than they can comprehend. What if we ask God for bigger things and actually believe for more things that are possible than impossible? We are really easy to, oh, well, that's impossible. Big things are possible. God is the God of possibility. He can do all things. So how can we think that as we go, oh, Lord, I really, I, I pray for this because I really don't want to ask for that. What if we grew in our faith to expect big things? Is it our fear of disappointment? Do we not trust him to do big stuff? We've got to get over ourselves and into him. For nothing is impossible with God. Not every idea we have is a good one. But God can direct you to a better one. We're fooling ourselves if we think that we can just leave it all up to God without any effort or commitment on our part to hear his voice and receive his best. Right, that sounds pretty harsh. God loves you. He wants to provide for you. He wants relationship with you. He wants a relationship with you. There are 335 powerful promises that include what I'll call an if-then statement. 
There are great mighty things that God wants to do for us, in us, and through us, but you've got to have a relationship with him. He wants to bless you. So, an example of the, the global nature of that if-then. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will be here, I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. That's that big global one. That's like I care about all things, right? And then it comes down to that personal one where you in the morning, if you delight yourself also in the Lord, then he shall give you the desires of your heart. It's very personal. What does delight mean? Pray, spend time with him, talk to him. It's not a, it's not a, a, a burden to talk to God. Uh, the, Paul, I believe it was, talked about that constant attitude of prayer where everywhere he went, all of a sudden he was on his mind constantly. I'm not talking about a piety here. I'm talking about a relationship. It's nothing for me to get, on, get in the car and hit the little button on the telephone and talk to somebody while I'm driving down the road. That's no big deal. But hit the button on your spiritual phone and say, all right, God, I'm going to talk to you while I'm driving down the road because I don't look crazy because people think I'm talking on the phone. Right? I'll never forget a friend of mine. She said, I was, I was talking to God one day and I was praying. I was sitting in traffic and it was getting hot and my car was overheating and I was just talking and I put my window down and I see the lady next to me kind of looking at me but I'm just talking and she thinks I'm talking on the phone and then her phone rings. She said, I felt so stupid because <laughs> the lady's like, you're talking and your phone is ringing. You're obviously not talking on the phone. So now she'd gone to that whole other level of, all right, anyway, I, I digress. But nonetheless, God will give you the desires of your heart but you've got to press into him. And then there's the one when things are not going so good. When he says, hey, look, if you call on me in your day of trouble, then I will deliver you. And you shall glorify me. When God delivers you, you want to tell people about it. So, do you have room in your life for his promises? Do you have the capacity? Capacity. I hear that all the time. I don't have capacity for love anymore. I had a heartbreak too many times. I just don't have that capacity. These are conversations I've had. I don't really have the capacity to help anybody right now. I'm just too tired. I don't have the capacity to get another hamburger when I go through the drive-thru. You know, I need that extra $5. I might need it later. Capacity. Do you have the capacity to care? You know, with Nicholas and I, we talk about, do you have the capacity to give a hoot? which means to pay attention to what's going on around you. Capacity, it's that maximum amount of something that you can contain. It's the ability or power to, to experience or understand something. Do you have the capacity for the promises of God? Do you have the capacity for the if-then statement? Do you have the capacity to spend a few minutes with God so that you can go and do bigger and greater things? Or is life too hard, too complicated, too busy, you're too tired? This is our capacity. This is it. Look, the woman is, is like drinking the coffee out of the pot. I've been there. I know what that's like. You are out of cups and you're desperate and there's no straw. We're going right to the source because we're exhausted. But there's, there's too much to do. The world's got stuff for you to do. And, of course, the time is clicking. And, yeah, we're after five, which means home is calling and stuff's not done and homework. Lord, have mercy. Thank you, algebra, but Lord. All right, so do you see what I'm saying? There, there's chaos all around us. And when the chaos of life, which is very obvious sometimes and very loud, is telling you what to do, we will prioritize finding the energy to get it done. 
I'm that same way. All of a sudden, there's a deadline at work. There's things to do. It has to get done. I'm that rabbit running around again. Here we go. God knows your capacity and your potential in him. Right? He knows. He knows his capacity, which is far more than we can comprehend. He also knows where you are right now. And I'm not sure mine would be in double digits. Because you get tired. You get wore out. You got stuff going on. You got 10 places to go. You got 1,200 things to do. Your capacity, your charger's low. You're, you're just not feeling like I can do all these things that Christ says I can do right now. You got some excuses. I got some aches and pains and headaches and groans and moans. My car won't start. My, my battery won't charge. My, literally, I feel exhausted. We got all sorts of stuff going on that's just distracting us from the capacity to do what God has called us to do. I found this quote in a devotional. I don't know. I'd, I'd give them credit, but I don't know where it came from. I just wrote it down. It said, like a rubber band, our personalities, talents, and gifts are different by the blueprint of God. We will not realize our greatest potential until we are stretched. We will not fully know who we are until we are stretched. We are not effective unless we are stretched. Reaching and extending are the faith-building blocks of life. That's stretching. When you're at 25% and God says, look, I need you to do one more thing. The energy and inertia that he provides for what he calls you to do far exceeds what you can conjure on your own. So when you're saying, I just don't have the energy for it, I can tell you right now, I've been totally exhausted and felt like there was one more thing I needed to do. Turn around, go back and do this. I listen and I do it. By the time I get where I'm going to do it, I come back with so much energy, I can get 100 more of the things that I thought were important done. Because I took a minute to tap into his source, to stretch in the right direction. Man, I stretch in the wrong direction sometimes all day long. I need this, I want that, I need this, I want that. And it's exhausting. And a lot of times that rubber band will snap back. It'll leave a mark. But when God stretches you, he pulls you right with him. He said, come on. It takes you to a different place. God knew all about stretching. He said, enlarge the place of your tent. Uh, stretch out your curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. What he was telling them was, act like I'm going to answer your prayers. You want me to look out for you. You want to expand. You want more. You want, to, you want to occupy, right? Act like it. Don't put up a little tent. Put up a big one. Stretch those cords. Lengthen those stakes. They're coming. They're coming. I've said it. It's going to be so. It's coming. So all God's promises is far more than you ask or think I will provide for you. Act like it. Start living like it. You've said, God, I need you to provide this for me. Then we walk around going, well, I don't see it. I don't know. Act like it. I talked to the God who created the universe, and I told him, I need this, Lord. I, I know I'm giving you a specific, but ever how you see fit to fill that need, I need you to help me. Now I need to transition from asking to receiving. And the receiving side of me says, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, you heard my prayer. Thank you, God, good things are coming. Thank you, God, you've got my back. Thank you, God, you care for me. Thank you, God, you heard me. Thank you, Lord. I'm transitioning. I'm lengthening my cords. I'm strengthening my stakes. I'm not saying, well, I don't know. I'm not getting the Eeyore mentality of prayer. 
Oh, bother. Well, I'll ask him again. God doesn't weary of your asking. But if sometimes I look at my son and I think about my relationship with God. And if Nicholas asks me, Mom, can we do this? And I say, yes. He's like, okay. Five minutes later, comes back. Mom, can we do this? What is my answer? I told you, yes. Five more minutes later, comes to me. Mom, can we do this? I said, yes. I told you, yes. What would I say? Fourth time is the magic one. Mom, can we do this? No. Trust me when I say yes. If I'm like that, and I know God is bigger and greater and more graceful than I am, but I feel like maybe there's some complexities in our heart that we can just simplify a little bit to understand that when God says, I love you, I care about you, I got you, yes. He means it. He can mean it so much better than I could ever mean yes. Now I have to honor him by saying thank you. Thank you. Okay, I'm going to go with that, God. I'm going to go with thank you. And do you know what happens is while I'm waiting for the manifestation of what I need to actually take place, as I'm going, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. Nicholas will attest to it. Sometimes I walk around the house, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. I mean, i got 900 things out there, right? But by saying thank you, I'm raising my ability to appreciate what God is going to provide. I'm increasing my opportunity to notice it. How many things on your prayer list have you prayed for that God has answered and you went right on to the next thing? How do you increase your capacity? Jesus looked at them and he said, with men it's impossible, with God all things are possible. So how do we increase our capacity? Bottom line is, more of him in every direction of our life and a whole lot less of me and you. So the more of him we have, the less of us is in the way, the more we can receive what God has for us. All right, you guys would be disappointed if I didn't bring something silly, right? All right. So, water bottles have capacity, right? We know what their capacity is. It's eight ounces. A uh, couple of analogies here. One is, if I handed you a gallon and I told you to pour it in this, your first word to me would be, that's impossible, right? Well, the greatness of God, if God is, is basically a fire hose of provision, as he provides for us, it far exceeds what we consider our capacity, but he wants to fill us over and over every day. The more, we, the more we press in, the more we get. But typically what happens with us is, this is kind of the thought process. We feel like this. We get empty. We feel like there's nothing left, that, that we're really not usable, that, that maybe, look, I made a mistake once. It didn't go well. I don't know if I'll ever try that again. And then we kind of seal ourselves up right there. And we say, you know, I'm really not going to try that anymore. Uh, you know, I tried leading somebody to Jesus. I tried praying for him, and, and they kind of turned me off and told me to go away. I felt really stupid. I was embarrassed. I don't know what the situation I loved somebody once, and they didn't love me back. So I'm never going to do that anymore. I tried that at work. I tried to, I tried to, to be more like Jesus, and, well, that just didn't work out because five minutes later I was frustrated and said things I shouldn't say. This is, this is that state that we sometimes find ourselves in. And as we're, we're trying to figure out how to, how to get out of 
this. Because sometimes life looks like this. It's messy. It's not perfect. It's the, the, the container seems a bit flawed. And we have to figure out how is our, can our capacity be restored or increased? How can we really be filled more by God? So just so you could see it better, it's just a big empty plastic bottle. And if this is God and, and you're accepting kind of Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, I'm just, I picked a red balloon because it seemed apropos, right? And then I, I, I put the balloon in the bottle and then I'm going to kind of flip it over. I'm showing you how to do it because kids like this stuff, right? And you're going to flip it over the, the rim of the bottle. I feel like I'm in SpongeBob three days later. All right, so, all right, so, so you see there. Now, the bottle that was empty, the empty vessel, right? And I put the balloon in it, right? So now I'm going to kind of take the honor of trying to, to be God and say, okay, Lord, I've accepted you into my life. I said, come into my heart. And then I, I want you to be a part of my life. And then all of a sudden there's, there's something weird happens. It can't fill. In, in work last week, I talked to somebody who said, yeah, I, I accepted Jesus, but it just really didn't change anything for me. And I thought, wow, how do you get there? And then I realized the reason that the balloon can't fill is that though it's void and empty, it's full of itself. We're all full of ourselves. We know too much. We got it all figured out. But now, if I, if I remove, I cut a hole in the bottom of the bottle so that I wouldn't have to waste your time with me potentially sawing off digits. So um, it's just a hole in the bottom of the bottle. So if you really want God to come, you want Jesus in your heart and mind, you, you want your life to begin to change, then you're going to have to start pushing some of you out to allow him in. If I could blow harder, it would fill the bottle. <laughs> That's where I fall short. God can fill you, okay? But here's my point. There's no cap on the entry. All right? But what I had to do is let some of me out. But if I'm not careful and I don't spend time with God, I'm right back here. He wants to fill your every need. He doesn't want to leave you an empty vessel. He wants to give you eternity. So when you accept Jesus as Lord and personal Savior, you're in. But you know, I've prayed with people who are on their deathbeds and they say, yes, Lord Jesus, I accept you. And it makes me so sad because I know that they're going to heaven, which is awesome. But God said, I came to give you life and life more abundantly. That relationship with Jesus that you can have, where you talk to him and he talks to you and he keeps your car from getting run over and helps you find your car keys, all that silly stuff, as well as some really deep, intense hurts that he heals and, and makes the, the sick feel better and the lame can walk and all these miraculous things that we see, all that is available to you. If you spend a little time with him, if you're willing to, to let some of you out so that he can get in, because... In case I'm the first one to ever tell you this, I apologize right now, but you don't know everything, and neither do I. But God knows all of your needs. He wants to supply everything you need. He wants a connection and a relationship. I'm getting better. He wants to fill you. 
in the unfillable places. The ones that you don't talk to anybody about. The ones nobody's ever heard the story. The stuff you don't ever want to put on Facebook. The stuff you think and have never spoken out loud. God wants to fill those places. And he's not worried about the size or shape of your vessel. He wants a relationship with you. So more of him and less of me. What does more of Jesus look like? This might pinch a bit. There's less drama. Less about you being right and more about him being right. That's what I'm trying to say. Less selfishness. Less complaining. Less bitterness. Less gossip. Less pride. Less anger. Less me. And in exchange for all of those things, he fills all your empty places. Love, peace, patience, kindness, grace, mercy, healing. God doesn't want to hurt you. He wants to help you. But he is such a gracious Lord, he's not going to beat you over the head with a stick to get you to receive it. He says, call on me and I will answer you. Call on me. So what do we have to do? We got to pray. Ask forgiveness every day because we all fall short. Let's just acknowledge it. Notice and be grateful. Find something to be thankful for. Notice it. Listen to what he has to say for more than 15 seconds. Right? Learn to recognize his voice. It is so peaceful and comforting. It will take you to that next level of relationship. Be flexible. When God says turn around, turn around. When he says stop and go sit in the orange chair, go sit in the chair because your keys might be in it. Be flexible. Follow his direction. Don't argue with him like I did. Just do it. There was a blessing in there. Repeat. It's every day. And now I'm going to give you the bonus challenge. Be as vocal about what God is doing for you as you are about what you need. There's always something to be grateful for. Act like it. Because he said, if you pay attention and you hear what I say, with the measure you use what I say, I'm going to fill you up some more. And then guess what? I'm going to add to it. That's what God wants for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and I pray, Lord, that everyone can hear your voice, that still small voice in their heart that guides and directs them that helps them to know, do this, don't do that, that just simply says, I'm here, you're not alone. I pray, God, that that voice be audible, that we be able to hear you speak to us, know, God, that you care for us, and that you want a relationship. You want to participate in our lives. You want desperately to embrace us with your love. And God, those that are listening today that say, look, not only do I struggle to hear his voice, I, I'm not sure I even know him. There is no greater decision that you can make than to ask Jesus into your heart as Lord and personal Savior. I can honestly tell you it is the best decision that I have ever made and ever will make. There is a comfort that comes with that relationship that exceeds all the drama everything else wants to impart into your life. 
So if you need Jesus as Lord and personal Savior, if you need to know him wherever you are right now, I don't care if you're in your bathrobe or your, your Santa Claus pajamas, it really does not matter. God says, look, call on me and I'll answer you. So you say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me, Lord God, for my sins and mistakes and help me, God, to know you. Help me, Lord God, to understand how much you love me. And in that moment, God will take over. God will come into your heart. He will help you to see that he loves you so much. And that peace that surpasses understanding is now available to you through the love of Christ. If you have prayed today and you've said, Lord, please come into my heart, tell somebody about it. Why do you do that? Because you want to acknowledge the good thing that has happened. Because the bad things are loud. And the doubters, they love to say what they need to say, but you need to grab hold of what God has for you and understand it is far bigger than you could possibly fathom. And he loves you so much. He died on the cross for you. More importantly, he rose from the dead to show us that eternity is now available to us through his sacrifice. Heaven, I can only imagine, is amazing. But I'm grateful that he wants to give us life abundant right here. So, Lord, I ask in Jesus' name, be with everyone here today. Thank you, God, for caring so much for us. Thank you, Jesus, for wanting to have a relationship with each and every one of us. In Jesus' name, amen.